Oh, I'm your host, Skip Coriel. It's great to be back after a long vacation. I guess we had reruns for the last two weekends, but now we're back live. Um, it's just good to be back. I had a great vacation. I went over to Wisconsin and visited my nine grandchildren and two of my children. I have seven kids, but had a, just a wonderful time. And uh, But it's always good to be back home and sleep in your own bed. I do not sleep well in other people's beds. I just, I just don't do it. Um, maybe it's my age. I remember when I was younger, I could, I could sleep on the side of a mountain in Panama or in the woods. Uh, I could sleep on a cement floor. Didn't bother me at all. Now I've got to have that memory foam underneath me. Or I'd toss and turn and wake up with aches and pains. It's just terrible. But that's just me. I'm sure you guys don't have anything like that at all. The weather here, here in Michigan, the weather here is right now 36 degrees. 36 degrees, and it's raining. And we are happy to have rain uh, in January in Michigan because the alternative is usually ice and snow. So it feels like... Uh, a heat wave here. This is like, you know, Hawaiian shirt day to us Michiganders. It's just great, and, and we love it. Of course, I'm in my mobile command post. That is my 2007 Honda Odyssey minivan. I know that doesn't sound very masculine, but, hey, that's what I've got. It's got over 240,000 miles on it, so it's hard to complain. When I uh, When I get a vehicle i ride it like a bronc and as soon as this thing ups and dies i am looking at some type of four-wheel drive vehicle i mean how can anyone respect a personal defense instructor who drives a minivan i mean come on and just i have to get my own self-respect back i need a four-wheel drive pickup with with big tires something something manly but i digress i'm sitting in my mobile command post looking very commanding, and every week I go to a different place because I am a world traveler. I love to travel, but never more than a half hour from my home, so I'm about 10 minutes from the house. I'm at Yankee Springs Township Park, and I'm sitting here watching the rain. There are some big piles of snow, but those are rapidly melting, and tomorrow we're supposed to have another cold snap come in, like 10, 15 degrees, so we'll get some more snow, and it'll be like that off and on, off and on, up until spring, so I'm really looking forward to that as well. Now, let's talk about the new year. This is the first home defense show of the new year, and as you recall, a few weeks ago, we had on Gabe Suarez. He was that badass guy that was in super good shape and practiced all the time, and he just does everything right, highly trained guy. And I'm just kind of like, you know, the Johnny Cupcake, run-of-the-mill, everyday guy who is 59 years old and not in the best shape, but I mean well, and I do practice. I have come to some serious decisions here with the new year. I have a New Year's resolution. I am going to get back in shape as best I can. I've got about 20 pounds to lose, 
and I started last week, and I've lost like a pound and a half in a week. I know you can do it faster, but I'd like to actually take the weight off and keep the weight off. Because I tell you, no one wants to come to a concealed carry class and have their personal defense instructor waddle on up to the front room, you know, 100 pounds overweight, can't bend down and tie his own shoelaces and says, I'm here to protect you, to teach you how to protect yourselves. Well, I understand why people wouldn't have a lot of confidence in a guy like that. So I do not want to become that guy. So the hardest part for me is sweets. I have finally realized, much to my wife's happiness, that sugar is addicting. I love sugar. Sugar is my kryptonite. Mountain Dew, Little Debbie snack cakes, Hostess Twinkies. Gosh, I love them. They talk to me. I'll go into the store, and this Twinkie will say, Hey, Skip, haven't seen you in 15 minutes. How you doing? And they haunt me in my dreams. So I've got to swear off the sugar. It's kind of like alcoholism. It's like, can you eat just half a Twinkie or just one Twinkie and put the other one down? Of course not. That's why they sell them two at a time. But, hey, I'm doing my best. I have severely limited my sugar intake. Uh, the Mountain Dew, the snack cakes, chocolate. Oh, dark chocolate. Don't even get me started on dark chocolate. But I'm doing my best. And I have also started uh, exercising more. Because I remember me preaching to uh, you people uh, about a month ago on how the only way to lose weight is to exercise more and eat less. I'm doing both of, both of those things. But I got to tell you, this is kicking my butt. So I need all of you out there to hold me accountable. Do your best. Send me an email. You know, send me a tweet or something on Facebook. Say, Skip, hang in there. We got your back. You know, all you locals out here, my former students, if you uh, see me with a Twinkie or a Mountain Dew in my hand, I want you to come up there and just pistol whip me. Well, all right, don't pistol whip me. I don't want the gun to go off. But uh, give me some, some words of encouragement because I need it. I got to get back in shape. It's time. It is overdue. So that's what I'll be doing for a New Year's resolution. I have another New Year's resolution. I want to buy another gun, maybe several guns. I was looking at AR pistols the other day. Oh, man. I had them printed out for me on a 9mm AR pistol. Five and a half inch barrel with compensator, six inch handguards, Glock magazine compatible, comes with a 31 round magazine, lifetime warranty, and it's currently in stock. So I'm doing the research on that right now, but I have a feeling that I might end up with an AR pistol sometime this year. And of course, if you get an AR pistol, that is Glock compatible, you also need a Glock, right? So I've got a 40 caliber Glock pistol, but now I'm going to need a 9 millimeter Glock pistol. So I'll be researching those as well. If you have experience with that, if you love your Glocks, if you hate your Glocks, give me a give me a call, shoot me out an email or on Facebook and tell me what your experience has been so that I can avoid some pitfalls. Okay, enough of that now. Let's go into some uh, self-defense, real-life self-defense stories here. I'm on WTBR.com, 
and I see a headline that says, Henrico Father Fights Off Gunman During Craigslist Sale. This is from Henrico County, Virginia. The father of two young girls fought off a gunman during a Craigslist sale at his Highland Springs home on New Year's Eve. Okay, so he advertised on Craigslist, told people where he lived, total strangers, and said, come to my house. Uh, wow, that might not, well, let's, I don't want to judge the guy. Let's see how it turned out. Henrico police responded to a shooting at a home on York Avenue around 640 Saturday night. C.J. Harris said he placed an ad on Craigslist after his pit bull, Bella, had eight puppies. A pit bull named Bella. The plot thickens. He said a man responded to the ad Tuesday and drove to Harris home. He purchased two of them. So a guy came. He left. First time, there was no problem, said Harris. He gave me the money. Then he called me the next day and asked if I had any more puppies left. So the guy came back. This time, he brought two other men and a gun. Okay. They gave me the money, and I went into the kitchen and put the money in the drawer, he said. I came back into the living room. This guy points a gun at me and says, we have to have that money back. Okay. He said his three-year-old daughter was standing just feet away from the gunman in the living room while his wife and 16-month-old were hiding in the kitchen. Harris said he then began fighting the man who eventually ran out the door with the puppies while shooting at his family. Yeah, folks, man, there are some bizarre people out there. He stole puppies at gunpoint from a man's home while a three-year-old looked on, stealing a three-year-old baby puppy. That That's just sad. That's too much. My baby girl was sitting in the high chair, and luckily my wife had picked her up before the shooting commenced. The bullet went right through the high chair. Wow. A bullet grazed Harris along the thigh, but he did not need medical attention. Bullets went through the walls and the refrigerator. Harris said the shooting was a wake-up call, and he wanted to warn the public to be safer while organizing online sales. Well, no, no kidding, Sherlock. Be careful who you invite in your house, he said. Definitely don't invite anybody in your house through Craigslist and do the sales in public places. Police are continuing to investigate and search for the subjects. I don't think they're going to find them. Well, maybe the police should put out a Craigslist ad um, advertising some puppies. That would be a, a good sting operation, I would think. Yeah, this guy did everything wrong. I mean, I, I hate to be judgmental, but you invite strangers to your house, and and they come, and he engages three grown men. They're armed, and he's not. The guy is lucky to be alive. I mean, and his family was there. In my if I were in that situation, I think, and I was unarmed, no way to get my gun. So you want the puppies? Fine, take the puppies. I am not going to die for these puppies. You know, we'll we'll get we'll get the bitch pregnant again and have more. No pun intended. But uh, yeah, I think that's the way I would have handled that one. On the other hand, I wouldn't have been unarmed to begin with, especially if I had strangers coming to my house. And to begin with, I wouldn't have invited the stranger to my house. I just don't do that. That's where my family lives. That's that's my castle. That's where the people that I love most in life live. And they depend on me to, to protect them, keep them safe, to keep them away from stupid things like that. 
My gosh, folks. If you're doing things like that, stop it right now. Your home is your castle. You have to protect your castle. Be so careful online. The people online, just because someone friends you on Facebook, doesn't mean they're your friend. There's a difference between online friends and real-life friends. So just be careful of that. Now, I hope the man had a wake-up call. Not only does he stop doing stupid things like that, but I would hope that this near-death experience would convince this man that he needs to upgrade his personal defense system, and it has to include a gun. You cannot fight unarmed combat against three men with a gun and expect to come out on top. He was just flat-out lucky in this situation. The guy needs to get trained, he needs to get armed, and he needs to get smart. Okay, enough about that. What do we have on the show today? We have got none other than Larry Pratt from Gun Owners of America. Larry is uh, coming on the show, and we uh, will be talking about 2017, what this new Trump administration is going to mean to the Second Amendment. So stay tuned. Larry Pratt's going to be coming up, and we are going to pick his brain for all he's worth. Welcome to my dad's home defense radio show. You're going to love it. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. All right, folks, this is Skip Coriel from the Home Defense Show. Welcome back. We appreciate you tuning in to us today. Uh, we have a special guest today. His name is Larry Pratt. He is from Gun Owners of America, uh, one of my favorite pro-Second Amendment groups. Larry, thank you uh, very much for coming on the show. We welcome you. Well, very good to be with you. Thanks for having me. All right. Hey, no problem. Larry, before we uh, get too uh, far into the, the guts of, of this segment, why don't you tell people a little bit about your personal life, um, what made you Larry Pratt? Well, I've had the privilege of heading up Gun Owners of America 
since the mid-70s. It was founded by a California state senator who had uh, the insight, uh, which he actually put into a book called Confrontational Politics, and he presented the thesis that Democrats and socialists, I kind of repeat myself, uh, inherently, generally see that politics is confrontational. Republicans and conservatives, not so much. And so he was hoping to encourage that awareness among those who were interested in defending constitutional government, of which, of course, uh, the Second Amendment is a very important part. So from that time, we've lobbied the Congress with the idea in mind that shall not be infringed, really does mean shall not be infringed. And I've had the opportunity for well over 30 years now to bring that message to Congress. Uh, oftentimes they were not thrilled to get that information because a lot of politicians think that their job is to make a deal. In fact, even our new president is well known for his book, The Art of the Deal. Uh, yeah. But in politics, that sometimes is okay if you're on a county zoning board, perhaps, and you're talking about where the right white line might go down the middle of a road or some other thing of that sort. But when we're talking about basic freedoms, like the right to keep and bear arms, the normal process of politics usually is destructive and it tends to whittle away those basic freedoms that Americans, I think all too often we just assume them without really examining them, and that makes it easier, it seems, to have them taken away from us since we may not be that aware that we're benefiting so enormously from these freedoms that were handed over to us, handed down to us, with a lot of bloodshed by our forefathers. So, Larry, in your mind, what makes the Second Amendment special? You know, maybe juxtapose it to some other uh, amendments or maybe even other laws or privileges, like driving a car or something like that. The Second Amendment is essentially a quintessential statement that the people are the check on the government. The government is not the ultimate authority means a court is not the last word on what uh, the Constitution means, nor is the Congress, nor is the President, but the Constitution and the people ultimately who decide uh, through a laborious process what that Constitution means, that's what uh, the Second Amendment is all about. And when politicians start to uh, work their way toward overlooking, forgetting, doing away with the Constitution and the Second Amendment. It's there uh, coming into play because it has protected the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Politicians need to keep in mind then that unlike any other country in the world, not only is this an armed country, and there are other countries that have a certain amount of civilian gun ownership, but we're the one country based on an idea. We're not Americans because we speak American or French. We're American because we subscribe to this idea that, in part, the government works for us and that it's there to help protect us and our liberties from enemies foreign and domestic. And if they 
if those in government won't do that, then the Second Amendment says you can go too far, and then it may not turn out too well. It's like people are scared to death to take it to that level or even talk about that level. I mean, I, I don't mind talking about that that option as well. I mean, you could call it the nuclear option or whatever. I mean, our forefathers did that with the American Revolution. What is different now um, compared to the American Revolution, um, you know, back in 1775? Well, I think to some extent there's been a wearing away of the basic moral fiber, uh, the Christian foundation of the country, which was the basis for these liberties and was the basis for forming a constitutional government that said the people are the boss. That, I think, is not entirely gone, and while it may not have been articulated quite as clearly as the founders would have, the current the recent election, I think, made it clear that the American people were fed up, they were uneasy, to say the least, with the way things were going, and it was the Republican field in general, and Donald Trump in particular, that tapped into that unrest, uh, that concern that the government uh, no longer is responsive to the people. It was an elite that did what it bloody well pleased and really didn't care what the people were telling it. And uh, the election in that sense, I think, was a, uh, a big uh, flashing yellow light to the elite. Better slow down, folks. I, I've become so, you know, I hate to say the word angry, you know, but I've become so angry over the past eight years simply because I felt like the people who were in control were ignoring me. Um, I'm saying, hey, put the brakes on what you're doing, and they're saying, I'm sorry, we know better than you. We're going to do what, what we want to do, and we don't really care what you think. You know, anytime you, you, you own a gun and you say you're angry, it's like the far left goes crazy and, oh, my gosh, restraining orders. We need to take away your guns. See what happens when you left guns. The far left is angry, but their assumption has been that they will have the police to point their guns at us. And right. what, what really drove them crazy was that a source of power apart from the government and arguably over the government also had guns. And as you say, it just drove them crazy. And I think they're still not willing to accept the outcome of the election uh, at least many of them, and I find that particularly ironic because they were warning us a week before the election, we sure hope you uh, Republicans and conservatives uh, are going to behave yourself if uh, and when you lose the election. <laughs> yeah, well, we have guns, but so do they. See, they've been in yeah. charge of the guns. Now, what I think is driving them crazy is they, for the first time, arguably, clearly lost control of many of those guns. They still own them, control them in California and New York. They, they're kind of the coastal party, as others have pointed out. Uh, but most of the rest of the country says, don't bother me. Just leave me alone, and th there won't be any trouble. Well, the, the liberals don't want to leave people alone. They want to boss them around. But it's bloody hard to boss people around when uh, – 
you can push them so hard that the safety comes off their uh, firearm. Right. Yeah, and, you know, I remember, boy, when it was back in uh, 2008, you know, when Obama was elected, you know, people were very afraid, you know, what is he going to do, what is he going to do, uh, how many rights is he going to take away from us, and, and then um, you were uh, Gunless America, and you were very supportive of the Second Amendment March when we went to Washington, D.C. at the Washington Monument, and, and we held that, that rally. What really, okay, what has Barack Obama done in the last eight years to hurt the uh, right to keep the arms? He's essentially done an end run around a feckless Congress controlled by Republican leaders who wouldn't recognize the Constitution if somebody walked up and slapped them in the face with it. And they haven't fought for it. Uh, and so Obama has been able to, according to his famous uh, articulation, use his phone and his pen to rule without the Congress. We've had a basically unconstitutional government in a growing number of ways. He has simply told government agencies to do this, do that. And we saw, uh, I would say, a uh, coming to the head of that, uh, the, the assumption that the Bureau of Land Management could just tell people what to do. It didn't matter that the government was bound by contracts by a number of uh, ranchers out in the West, and it came to a head in Bunkerville, Nevada, and the government just assumed that they were going to put the liberals' guns from the BLM and other agencies out on uh, that rangeland to tell them get off of their own land that they had a contractual use of for decades and decades, and that didn't come out too well. They were they were stunned when the people spontaneously uh, showed them what militia means. And they took their firearms to Bunkerville, Nevada, to protect those ranchers. And finally, the government, grousingly, didn't even really say, never mind. They just rode away. But it was awfully close. I, I remember uh, one of those out there telling me that at the very culmination of this confrontation, a sheriff's deputy from the feckless sheriff of Clark County, where this was located, the deputy took it on himself to ride out to the head guy at the, I guess it was a BLM agent, and say, do you, they were getting ready to slaughter about a million dollars worth of cattle. And unarmed men and women, ranchers primarily, were marching toward where the cattle were penned in order to be able to free them, actually uh, riding their horses. And there were guns pointed at them, uh, automatic rifles pointed at them. And that's when this deputy asked the, the head agent, do you want to be known as the guys who gunned down unarmed men and women? Sure. And happily, that broke through to the guy's conscience, and the, uh, the BLM and the other alphabet soups uh, folded up and rode away. But it came that close to having a renewed exercise in living color of the Second Amendment. And I would argue that if it hadn't been that the people were armed, that there were 
snipers watching snipers all over the place, uh, and there were th that particular group that that rode out uh, to free the cattle was not armed, but most of the rest of the people that had come to the ranchers' help were armed. And I think the whole success of that and the, the reason the government decided to back down and live somewhat within closer to their limits was because the people had guns. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you on that one, Larry. Uh, you didn't hear a lot about it, about what was really going on in the mainstream media. I mean, some of what you just told me, I didn't know, and I try to follow it, but you have to work really hard. Really hard, absolutely. So I appreciate your uh, your knowledge on that. Um, folks, we are speaking with Larry Pratt from Gun Owners of America. We have to take a break now, but we will be right back with segment three, and we will pick uh, Larry's brain some more. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. My name is Siege Coriel. Welcome to the Home Defense Show with my dad, Skip Coriel. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Understanding health insurance is becoming more challenging. If you currently have insurance, you've probably noticed that it costs more to see your doctor. And if you're able to keep your doctor, it takes longer to get an appointment. The bad news is this trend is projected to continue. Your costs will likely continue to rise, while your health care choice and access will continue to fall. The good news is Peachtree ENT Center has the answer to this problem. We believe in taking care of the whole patient, because healing is more than writing a prescription. We are committed to working with you, and we specialize in providing affordable care for patients without insurance, those who are underinsured, and those with high deductibles or catastrophic coverage, and we offer same-day appointments. You no longer have to choose between staying healthy and paying bills, because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. Uh, we have with us on the phone Larry Pratt, the gun owner of America, who is just a wealth of knowledge. We appreciate having you on the show today, Larry. When we left, we were talking about what could have happened in an armed confrontation, you know, in the past couple of years. Thankfully, that didn't happen. But can we transition now into January 20? You know, we are going to have a... Uh, a new president, Donald Trump. You might have inside knowledge on Donald Trump. What does he really believe about the Second Amendment, the right to keep him bare arms? Do you, do you have any opinion on that? Well, my opinion has been clarified even since the election. To be honest, we had endorsed Senator Cruz from Gun Owners of America in the primary, and when he lost, we thought, well, we'll go with the winner. We didn't endorse Donald Trump, but we made it very clear that a vote for Hillary Clinton would be a vote to perhaps end the republic. When Donald Trump won, we were relieved that we've been given a reprieve. We didn't really know that much more what to expect because this was a guy who until recently was active in New York City Democrat politics, was a large donor to, among other Democrats, 
Hillary Clinton in the past, not recently, obviously, and we were just very pleasantly surprised as his appointments began to be announced, starting with Senator Jeff Sessions of Alabama, and uh, it's by and large been a very uh, encouraging report. Every time a new person has been announced for some cabinet position, with a couple of exceptions perhaps, we've been pretty pleased. And certainly uh, Jeff Sessions as Attorney General will hopefully do some rooting out of some of the criminal activity that has been committed by the previous regime. One of the things that Trump was fairly clear about as the campaign went on was the gun issue. He did express support for a measure that uh, has been in the Congress for quite some time. Senator Cornyn has been the major sponsor in the Senate, and uh, it has a House companion measure as well. Uh, Hudson will be the sponsor of it in the coming year in the House. The bill simply says, okay, Article 4 of the Constitution says that your driver's license in your home state is good in every state, that the states have to recognize it under the terms of Article 4. By the same token, if you have a concealed carry permit in your home state, then you're good to go the way you would be with your driver's permit in all the other states. And that, I think, will be something that hopefully is going to be enacted, in, and maybe it will be law by, by March. The votes are there. And if Trump indeed uh, uh, goes ahead and signs that, that will be a big step forward. Uh, it'll probably also be somewhat interesting to watch the liberal and the anti-gun, again, I repeat myself, the, the shrieks that will be coming from the uh, normal sources warning us as to how this is going to absolutely endanger uh, the public security and the peace of the realm. But um, as has always been the case, every time there has been a broadening of concealed carry legislation, there has been a reduction in violent crime, and we would expect the same to happen here. Imagine if there's a cattleman's association meeting. This would be largely Western dudes, and most of them probably carry a gun with or without a permit because that's just the way the West is. So they... Let's assume they have a concealed carry permit because they figure they're going to be traveling. They go to San Francisco or maybe even to New York City for a conference. All of a sudden, the number of people with a concealed carry permit in New York City literally could double over a weekend. <laughs> I, I don't think the crime rate would double. Oh, no. <laughs> maybe the number of dead perps would double over the weekend. Uh, so we're, we're going to see that legislation hit the books fairly soon. I'm also hoping that the remaining federal uh, stuck-on-stupid position on gun-free zones will also be taken off the books. Gun-free zones since 1950 have been the place where, save for, all of our mass murders have occurred. You would think that might constitute a pattern, and since that's not really a good pattern, that people would want to get rid of it. But what you find is that when we talk about this issue, and this is a good subject, like a gun-free school zone, for example, there's thinking in terms of emotion and there's thinking in terms of logic, uh, trying to 
to marshal facts and to see if, in fact, the facts fit the idea. If the idea doesn't jibe uh, after a while, then you adjust it according to what you find the facts to be. Well, the and I've argued with people who have actually told me after I've made the factual case that you're safer where you're in an area with people carrying concealed firearms, or openly carrying for that matter, uh, you're safer than you are in these gun-free zones. And their response is, I just don't feel safe knowing that yeah, no. somebody around me would be walking around with a gun. Well, feeling safe and being safe really aren't the same thing. Now, I can feel safe if I know I'm safe. If I know I'm safe, maybe it's because I have a gun warming uh, on uh, my chest or something like that. But to have that feeling based on feeling, it's pretty dangerous. And yet that's the way a lot of the anti-gunners approach the whole issue. I think they're going to have to deal with some changes as some of their pet laws and pet policies uh, start going down the tubes. Uh, we're not hopefully going to see the harassment of Social Security recipients. There was almost a standoff with a local sheriff and a state legislator against some goons from the Social Security. Uh, they have their own uh, SWAT team, and they were going to come out to this veteran's house who had had a diagnosis that didn't suggest that he was violent, but he had a mental diagnosis, and they were going to come and grab his guns. And the local legislator and the sheriff said, no, no, you're not. And incredibly, out in this fairly rural part of Idaho, the call came into the state legislator about 7 in the morning. By 9 o'clock, she had 100 people there to greet the Social Security folks. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> right, I'm sorry, I misspoke. The Veterans Administration. Social Security has been up to some of the same stuff, but this, this was the Veterans Administration. And in any case, the federal government was repulsed by people exercising the Second Amendment. I hope that everything that you're talking about comes true. Now, I've been talking to, you know, some of my RKBA friends about national reciprocity, and there's a few of them who have uh, mixed feelings about it, you know, and they'll say, hey, if the government can grant you a right, then they can take it away. And um, But I think the bill that you're talking about for national reciprocity isn't like that. Is that true? Well, yes. What they're talking about is they're somehow they're confusing what's really being proposed. This measure would use Article 4 of the Constitution. It's not inventing a new federal power. It's just having the federal government say that, look, if you've got concealed carry permit in your state, and that's your state's business is to if you have one and how you get it, Every state now, at least in theory, if only because of a court order, has concealed carry of some kind. And so even if you're coming from New York City and you may be one of those thousand people that has a concealed carry permit, you'd be good in Washington, D.C. You could fly down and get it out of your luggage. You're going to be legal under this proposal because of Article 4 of the Constitution. And so for people to think that somehow a right is being granted by the federal government is to really misread what the Constitution uh, is saying should happen. Yeah, I think we need to get the word out so that all of our 
pro-Second Amendment friends really understand uh, that bill, and they don't openly impose it. Uh, I need to do more of that on the show and also on uh, social media where I frequent. Another thing that I wanted to talk about, Larry, was California. Didn't they just pass assault weapons ban there? California ha has passed a raft of anti-Second Amendment legislation, and unhappily, it looks as if more may be on the way, including even restrictions on ammunition. And I don't know that it's really occurred to them that they've given much thought to it, but California is bordered by other states. <laughs> but uh, there's Oregon on the north, there's Nevada and Arizona on the south, and all of those are much more gun-friendly than California. And I can just see the signs now on the highways coming into California. Uh, last chance to buy ammo, California, two miles ahead. <laughs> yeah. And so people will buy it, and they'll be putting it right next to where they used to have their bootleg booze. And we know how well it worked when they uh, made people drink bootleg booze. They, for all I know, they may have drunk more than when they could do it legally. Well, I just wonder if, if there's any hope for California. I know that there's good people in in California, you know, in the more rural areas, but that Southern California region, it's like it's infested with star-graving lunatics who don't have an ounce of uh, common sense. Are, are people just going to leave California? There's a number of ideas on the table, and I honestly don't know how likely they are to take place, but some of the more liberals in California, more liberally inclined people, are saying, well, California ought to secede from the Union. And I, for one, uh, would have no problem uh, with them doing that. And it might make it, if they were to actually pull something like that off, it would be a little hard for them to turn around and object to the six or seven or eight whatever counties primarily in the north of the state, that uh, would announce almost certainly, well, if you're leaving the United States, we're leaving California, and we're forming the state of Jefferson. They already have a name for it. And these counties are not like the rest of the state. For me, frankly, I, I don't go to California primarily because I do not want to disarm myself. It's a beautiful country. I was there you know, in, in the Marine Corps, but I just, I don't want to go there. Uh, I don't like driving through places like Illinois. Uh, more people left Illinois uh, last year than any other state uh, in the country, and I just you know these people are going to wake up. California is governed uh, by politicians who are truly control freaks, and it's not just the gun issue. It's regulatory oppression across the board. I guess it was about two years ago, maybe, the Toyota headquarters for the United States was outside of San Diego. Now, you probably were in some of that very same area, and that's probably as nice a climate year-round as you'll find anywhere in the world. Toyota moved its headquarters from that San Diego area over to the Houston, Texas area. Now, if you're familiar with Houston, Texas, about nine months of the year, it's sweltering tropical yeah. climate. Yep. For me, it's not very pleasant at all. Yeah. 
for sure. Um, all right, folks, we are out of time in this segment, but we've had a, a great time talking with Larry Pratt. Thank you, Skid. Uh, Let me just encourage people to go to gunowners.org and sign up for our free email legislative alerts. They're, they're at all interested. It's free. Okay, folks, that's it for this segment. Stay tuned. We will be right back. My name is Phoenix Correa. Welcome to the Home Defense Show with my dad. We'll be right back. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps. These are generally benign growths that occur from chronic sinus infection or allergies that are either undertreated or have not been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery and correction of a deviated nasal septum and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office. We use a state-of-the-art equipment so that you can see the problem. You will be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment. We believe in old-fashioned medicine where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. You can rest assured that all options will be offered before surgery is recommended because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Okay, friends, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. I'm your host, Skip Coriel. I love that Larry Pratt. To know this guy is just, just to love him. I got to know him during the Second Amendment march. He personally and Gun Owners of America really supported the Second Amendment march back in 2009 when we did that. So I'm indebted to him, and I just really appreciate all the work that Gun Owners of America does. They really are the no-compromise gun lobby. So check out Gun Owners of America. Uh, become a member. Support them in any way that you can. Well, sounds like we've got uh, quite a bit on the docket for 2017 when it comes to gun laws. I'm personally excited about national reciprocity. And this is kind of personal. And, you know, what the heck? Have I ever been impersonal? I'm not a formal guy anyways, right? I, I, I sh Whatever happens in my life, I share it with you guys because we're family, right? So I hate going to... Oregon, because I have to disarm my state of Michigan does not have reciprocity with Oregon. I believe the way they handle it in Oregon is they offer reciprocity to all contiguous states. So that would be what Washington, Idaho, California, um, and Michigan is not one of those. But uh, my, my wife was born and raised in Oregon, and so we go to visit the in-laws and the relatives from time to time. And when you're used to carrying a gun for personal protection, it's really difficult to disarm. It's like you feel naked or just not quite right. And But, hey, they're the in-laws, right? You got to go there uh, even uh, if you have to disarm. So, you know, I would love the national reciprocity. It's, uh, you know, selfish reasons. But... I really hope that that goes through, and if it goes through like Larry Pratt is suggesting, it could be as early as March, which would be fantastic. I would just love that. In fact, I would do more traveling. Uh, one thing that I wanted to talk there was this article someone sent me about Chicago, Chicago uh, 
It was an article on Chicago crime, all the homicides that they've had. And I thought, you know, we should talk about Chicago. Since Chicago is right smack dab in the middle of the country. And if you're in the Midwest, it's hard to go any place, east or west, without driving through Illinois. <sighs> Illinois, to a concealed carry holder, is like, you know, a boil on the butt of America. There's this big blue blob right there, and it's just a pain in the butt. Anyways, let, let me get right to the article here, and then we can talk about it. Chicago suffers record high homicide rate in 2016. Well, thank God it's 2017, then maybe it'll get better. All right, Chicago earned a new title in 2016, the nation's murder capital. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Chicago Police Department reported 762 homicides in 2016. That's the most the city has seen in two decades, and more than New York City and Los Angeles combined. Well, now, there's a feat. It is also the city's biggest spike in homicides in 60 years. The number is up 57% from 2015, in which 485 homicides were reported. As expected, the number of shootings went up as well. The Chicago PD reported an astounding 3,550 shootings in 2016, 46% more than the previous year. In addition, 8,300 illegal guns were confiscated by police, a 20% increase from 2015. Apparently, they're not having any problem getting guns, despite the fact that they're illegal. A majority of these deaths and shootings occurred on Chicago's south and west sides, which consists of predominantly poor and minority neighborhoods and were gang-related. Well, there you go. Maybe it's a gang problem. It will be interesting to see how the city plans to curb this violence in 2017. Illinois already has some of the toughest gun laws in the country, but gun control advocates are calling them lax and weak in light of these statistics. Well, I'd agree that they're weak in that they don't accomplish the mission. You know, if something doesn't work, get rid of it. Chicago's bloody year may give the state reason to make them even tougher later this year. Well, let's just double down on stupid. If you've already got the toughest gun laws in the country and they're not working, maybe you should try a different way. I mean, call me simple, call me daft, but gun laws haven't worked anyplace else to reduce crime. Why would they work in Chicago? Are Chicagoans special? They're somehow different than the rest of the country? I, I, I really don't think so. I, I hate driving through Chicago. Um, I have uh, relatives in Wisconsin as well, so I have to go from Michigan to Wisconsin, so I've got to drive through Chicago. Now, when I say drive through, I mean drive around Chicago. Let me give you some advice. If you're driving through Chicago, or really any major metropolis, any major inner city type of a geography, Stay on the interstate. Do not get off the highway. Just drive straight through. And if you got to get your gas up before you get there, and then gas up after you leave town. Stay in the rural areas if you can. That's where you are least in danger. Is in those rural areas. So that's my that's my advice to you. I mean, we gas up in Indiana, and then we gas up again in Wisconsin, but we do not stop in. Uh, Illinois. Now, the Illinois statute, their concealed carry statute, is different than a lot of other states. They don't have reciprocity with anyone, anyone whatsoever. In fact, I believe they only offer non-resident permits to only residents of Hawaii and Virginia. Don't ask me why. It doesn't make sense to me. But one provision in their statute 
says that if you have a concealed carry permit from your home state, you can drive through Illinois without disarming yourself, provided that the gun never leaves the vehicle. So from a practical standpoint, what's that, what that means is if you have to stop for gas and you got to get out of your car, the gun has to stay inside the car. If you leave the car unmonitored, uh, if you walk away from the car, the car's got to be locked. If you're a concealed carry holder and you get out to pump your gas, you leave the gun inside and your spouse is in the car and he or she doesn't have a concealed pistol license from their home state, they are technically a felon. So just be careful when you drive through places like Chicago. Um, I had a student, a former concealed carry student, call me up, and they had driven through Chicago. They had to pull off the interstate for some reason, and they got pulled over for a moving violation. And in Michigan, the statute requires that you inform the police officer immediately on a traffic stop. So he didn't know the rules of the law in Chicago, so he said, sir, I'm a concealed carry holder and I'm carrying a gun today. Well, this Chicago PD cop just freaked out because he's not used to people having honest law-abiding citizens having guns in Chicago. You know, in his mind, guns equal crime, therefore gun owners equal criminals. So as soon as... My student told him he was armed. The cop drew his gun, pointed the gun at him, and so the cop was endangering the honest law-abiding citizen, plus it was just bad news. And, of course, you know, my uh, student just com totally complied with everything. I mean, he didn't want the guy to shoot him, and he was handcuffed, um, thrown in the back of a squad car. His car was uh, thoroughly searched. And he's sitting in the back of this squad car, and he's trying to explain, you know, Illinois law to the police officer, but the police officer would have, have nothing to do with it, just kept telling him to shut up. But finally, the police officer got on the his laptop and started looking up the laws. He probably thinking, okay, what am I going to charge this guy? My student noticed that the more the police officer is searching online, the nicer he became. And then he got on the phone with his supervisor, and long story short, he ended up apologizing to my concealed carry uh, student, gave him back his gun, unhandcuffed him, put him in his car, said, have a nice day, sir, drive safely. But that doesn't change the fact that if my student had responded incorrectly, maybe made some false moves, he could have been killed. You know, plus the trauma, the emotional trauma of having a deadly weapon pointed, you know, at your face and being humiliated by being handcuffed and thrown in the back of the vehicle. And I asked my student, I said, well, you know, what did you do about it? He says, well, I, I got in my car, I, I left, and I got out of there as quickly as I can. I said, what, did you file a complaint? He said, no. I said, don't you understand that what you allow, you teach? I mean, okay, yeah, you made it out of there alive, but you need to voice some dissent. You need to call this police officer's supervisor and lodge a formal complaint. Say, listen, this is the way I was treated. I hadn't broken any laws. Obviously, this cop, you know, was acting, you know, sincerely. He thought he was holding the law, but he wasn't. This points out that your department needs some training in this area. Please make sure that that, that, that happens. 
that's like the the very least that you could do. I mean, aside from filing a uh, a federal lawsuit for civil rights violations. But most people don't want to do that. But if it happens to me, I will not be quite as congenial as my friend was. All right. Uh, another thing that I wanted before we uh, before I let you go here. Midwest Tactical Training, my, my concealed carry tactical company. Um, we've got some uh, cla- new classes this year. We have the basic concealed carry class. We have intro to handgun class. We've got introduction to AR classes, brand new this year. That'll be pretty good. And then we have three levels of advanced classes. We have uh, level one, beyond basic CPL. We have level two, move, shoot, and live classes. And then we have... Level 3, Advanced Handgun Tactics, those are all 8-hour classes, all out on the range, lots of shooting, lots of good times. Now, we also have a Stopping the Active Shooter class that is a 4-hour class that's all on the range as well. So we got lots of good stuff there. Um, check out Civilian Combat, the Concealed Carry book. That's my book. You'll learn a lot about concealed carry, about personal protection, situational awareness, warrior mindset. You can just get that on Amazon.com. It's in Kindle, paperback, and now on audiobook as well. So go ahead and pick that up. Heads up on The Blind Man's Rage. And you're thinking, The Blind Man's Rage? What are you talking about? Are you a lunatic? No, I'm not a lunatic. The Blind Man's Rage is the title to the fourth novel in a series that I started writing about four years ago. Uh, The first, it's an apocalyptic series um, where there's a power grid failure in the the United States and all the power goes down and we go back 150 years in time trying to survive. Um, The God Virus is the first book. The Shadow Militia is the second book. The Saracen Tide is the third book. And The Blind Man's Rage is the fourth book. I am currently getting ready to begin actively writing The Blind Man's Rage. So you people hold me accountable to that. People get mad when you start a series, get them hooked on it, and then don't finish it. So I promise you, I will finish this series with The Blind Man's Rage, and it's going to be very good and very exciting. Okay, well, folks, that is about all we have uh, for this week. Next week, we're going to have some more exciting stuff. I think what we'll do next week is we are going to focus on personal protection and aging and uh, see what we can learn with that. Have a good time with that. Folks, I want you to stay safe out there. Stay alert. Stay alive. Always operate at condition yellow. This is Skip Coriel, the host of the Home Defense Show. I want you to get out there, protect your family. And I will see you next week. God bless you all.